everyone. This is the 19th episode of the Pedal Podcast, and this week I had Jack Binstad, who's an English actor, comedian, and retired athlete who starred as Ramdog in BBC Three's Bad Education. He's also known for his junior career as a British wheelchair athlete. He was diagnosed with osteogenesis imperfecta and has been a wheelchair user since the age of three. That's the facts. What you don't know is that he's an absolutely funny, lovely, and knowledgeable person about pedal already. And he just decided nonetheless that he will be the world number one in adaptive or wheelchair pedal in the coming years. Jack has been fun. He has been one of the best chats in the show for sure, if not the best chat. But he has been so much fun to talk to that I do highly recommend for you to check it out. So um, let us know how you liked it. And uh, yeah, enjoy. Hi, everyone. This is another a new episode of the Pedal Podcast. And I've got Jack Binstead with me, who has been in the Bandeja. And I have to tell you that basically, that's how I um, got to know Jack. And, and straight away, I just realized that I really, really want to have Jack on the pod. This is the 19th episode, and I'm so happy that you're here. Welcome. How are you doing, Jack? I'm very good, thank you. Very, very good. Good. Good to see you. Um, obviously, there will be a snippet on Instagram about our chat, but you are in a Rocks Lane um, paddle shirt. So tell yes. me what's what's happening with Rocks Lane. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I, I've prior to starting a paddle, uh, I've never played any racket sports in my life, but as it goes, one of my very good friends who has now been appointed as my official manager for paddle. Um, he is a coach. He's a paddle coach. He's a Babalat sponsored paddle player. And uh, he has been asking me to come down for some time and try it out. And I always thought I will, I'll come down and it never happened. Um, and eventually I came down to Rocks Lane in Chiswick, uh, where he works, where he coaches. Uh, and that's sort of been the, the, the journey so far is, is that Rocks Lane were the ones to push me into wanting to become a, an adaptive paddle athlete. Um, and they are now my home club. It's where I, it's who I represent. It's where I train. Um, and what we're trying to do here is we're trying to make, uh, Rocks Lane the sort of central hub of adaptive paddle in the UK moving forward. Yeah, no, it's, it's brilliant. And uh, before, uh, now you sort of answered my question, because usually I start every podcast episode with the same question, how did you get into paddle? But mm. how exactly did you get into paddle? Well, like I said, I'd never really tried sports, racket sports before. I have a background in athletics when I was a teenager. I was on the Team GB development squad for wheelchair racing. So I had a seven-year career in athletics and fitness. And and moving on from that, I found the acting industry. I also found beer and pizza and became a lot fatter than I used to be. So I have some work to put in. I'm also a single dad. And so whenever my daughter doesn't finish her food, I make sure that I do. Um, so there's a few things to change as I go on to this new journey of mine. Um, but yeah, my my good friend and uh, my, my now coach and manager Luke Dolphin he had been pestering me for some time to come down and try paddle and he, you know he swore blind that I would really enjoy it and he wasn't wrong 
I came down, I had an hour's lesson with him and I didn't want to come off the court afterwards. I had so much fun and I ended up having six sessions in seven days. I just didn't go home. I stayed and and, uh, and kept playing. And uh, the more and more I played, the more contacts that I obtained and, and the sort of the further the discussions went, the more I realised that there was a need for wheelchair paddle players in the UK specifically because there are leagues, there are teams, there are tournaments that take place across South America, across Europe, that the UK haven't been involved in until now. And so I'm taking it upon myself to change that. No, it, look, what I I think what you're doing is is beneficial, uh, A, for the sport, because you're, you're raising awareness, uh, B, for the adaptive being of, of paddle in general, C, because it's, it's just great what you're doing, like full stop. I think, um, you know, pedal in itself is still in in its infancy. Yeah. Uh, mostly in the UK. But I think, like, you know, obviously when, the, when, when we look at it, and we are really lucky because we have wheelchair tennis champions in the UK. Yeah. Um, Shout out to Alfie Hewitt, who just won the U.S. and and he he uh, he played the final with Gordon Reed and and yeah. you know, it's 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 just great to see that this is something which we really have to put in front of people and raising awareness for adaptive paddle and starting the whole adaptive paddle scene. Um, mm-hmm. UK is really essential. So I guess you're London based then. Yeah, I am. I'm South London-based, sort of border in Surrey that way. Um, so, so Chiswick isn't that bad. It's about 45 minutes away. So obviously, as as most of my listeners do know that by now, um, I started off with uh, introducing you. But if if you could just not really, not really about your career, but your sort of background. Now you told me about your sports background, but yeah. how sporty were you? And 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 I and I had a bit of a read. So you are a stand-up comedian as well. I mean, I know that it's a bit of a pun, but I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I intended kinda, that way. But that kinda, you know what I mean. Kinda, so, that kind of so, paid the bills for a few years. That joke. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, tell me, tell me a bit more about you, because um, you know, you you are such an interesting character in so many ways that I had a lot of different people on on my podcast who are really really interested in uh, interesting in different ways but when I came across you I was instantaneously yeah I have to have Jack on the podcast and just just tell me a bit bit more about like how was your acting career how was uh, <laughs> this is just so funny but, but the stand-up comedian being and 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 how's that yeah so I mean I I, I grew up as a kid who had no clue what he could do because he was a wheelchair user and I had no idea what I wanted to be because I had no clue what I could be. And, and so for me, it was always sports, you know, despite the wheelchair, I was always that kid in school shooting threes, playing cricket. I was in goal as a goalkeeper during football and, you know, tag rugby and everything. I didn't care. And then I, and it was kind of the one thing that I excelled at. So I had an opportunity to go into athletics which i took uh back in 2005 and a, a bit like me with paddle now it was just an instantaneous love I, I absolutely loved being in the racing wheelchair and going and doing laps around the track and seeing progression and that ended up being a seven-year junior career as an athlete i held course records i traveled around europe and competed in training camps uh, and 
eventually was part of a club which had, you know, the top athletes, wheelchair athletes in the world uh, with me, training with me. Um, and, and I was dead set, you know, that was me for life. I was going to be an athlete, that was that. Um, I, I My disability is that I have brittle bone disease. My bones break slightly easier than normal. It doesn't affect me as much as an adult, but when I was a kid, you know, I was breaking maybe four or five bones a year, legs, arms, you know. I've broken somewhere around about 100 times now um at, at 27 so uh as you can imagine a lot of broken bones in that time but i had a really bad broken leg when i was about 12 and um i went and done the london junior marathon five days later with a with a bandage on and a paracetamol down me and i ended up winning um i, I just i i had my head down and I, I when i lifted my head back up again I was coming through the line and the tape was still there and I and I didn't I hadn't realized that no one had overtaken me over the course. So um that then led to me going on to TV, being interviewed, Paul O'Grady, the the show, the 5 p.m. show, he picked up on me. So I became a, a regular on his show. Um and that then led to me getting an agent and that then led to me going on to other TV programs. And so it was a bit of a chain reaction, really. It was, I never wanted to be an actor. I never wanted to be a comedian. I never wanted to be an athlete. But, you know, all of these things happened. And it was opportunities that I just felt I couldn't turn down. Uh, and why would you? You know, what, if you've got nothing else going, then why would you turn them down? And, and that then, yeah, that then led to me... Um, becoming an actor a, a full-time actor and, and appearing in british comedies uh for the most part uh and i couldn't continue the athletics w with it there was a there was a one year in particular i think maybe 2012 or 2013 and you know i was i was training in the morning i was filming for eight hours i was doing three hours of schooling in the middle of it and then i was on the track training at night and i was doing this for like you know seven or eight weeks straight and it was just a complete burnout i really couldn't keep it up at that age um and so i chose acting over uh, athletics because it paid <laughs> it paid me in general um but it was it was also something that i saw more as a job you know uh but i think maybe that was more of an age thing you know i i could have seen i could see being a paddle athlete as being a job but i don't think i could have seen being a sportsman at any degree a job when i was a teenager you know so yeah it's just a, a lot of chain reaction mate you know I, I became an actor and i had a good four years on tv with a show called bad education which did really really well and, and i suddenly was being recognized in the street 200 times a day and asking for selfies and signing stuff and red carpet events and it was just a complete a complete blur period in my life that's what it was a good five years it was just a complete blur and um and the, and the most fun, you know, meeting the nicest people and doing the craziest of things. But my acting career sort of started to die out when I was in my late teens. There wasn't as much acting work going uh, for disabled people in general. There was less auditions to go for. I think, you know, that there's that term, isn't there, whether it's a sort of derogative term or not, but the the um the sort of snowflake era when when people sort of spoke up a lot more about the things they were offended by there then became this this big discussion about the kind of comedy that disabled people were being represented under on tv uh, and that sort of you know 
comically derogatory style comedy, which is very common in, in, in the UK especially, was what they were calling to end. And that was kind of my forte. So it was, you know, Remdog was this sort of badass, bad mouth character who didn't take no, he did whatever he wanted, you know, and he didn't care. And some of the stuff that we got away with, you know, back in that show, some of the things we said, you definitely couldn't get away with now. And um, just, just straight up, just like calling a Chinese girl Japanese because we wanted her to be Japanese, you know, and like leaving me as a wheelchair user, like on the table and everyone just leaves the classroom. <laughs> just like, you know, little things like that, you know, we just couldn't get away with it now. And I think that kind of died things down for me. But, and comedy but you, so sorry, sorry to interrupt. It's just, it's sort of, I'm, I'm, I'm from a, obviously a totally different background in terms of like mid Europe and, and, you know, yeah. almost, almost Eastern Europe. And, and, you know, we, we are definitely not like that much PC as, as, as the British world is. And, and it's, and it's kind of a weird one as well, like um, in many ways. And, and obviously I'm not going to take sides on that, but how, how do you feel about this overly PC world? What we, what we live in and, and I, and, and you know what, it, it's sort of like, that's why I love Ricky Gervais. Cause he's like, mm. he doesn't care. And, yeah. and, and, and in a way it's like joke supposed to be a joke. And if right. someone gets offended, I, now I'm taking a side, but if someone gets offended, it's their fault. It shouldn't be a general consensus, should it? I think how you deal with your your disability and and mm-hmm. and uh, and what you do and 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 you take life the fullest. It is you, and if you decide that you want to joke about your disability or others' disabilities for that matter, it should be taken as lightly and as comically as possible. Am I right thinking that? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that one. And I see it the same way. You know, I, I as as my comedy career sort of developed and, and I worked on, on, on the comedy that I produced and, and, and wrote and, and spoke about, um, I became ruder and ruder for sure. You know, I, I, the dark humour, it just flows through me and it's my style. I barely have to think about a new joke or one day. I have to turn the TV on, you know, and just see half the shit that goes around the world. And it gives me seven or eight jokes that I could just rip the shit out of, you know. And and I think that's not for everyone. I get it. Um, you know, when I, I don't understand people who, you know, give bad feedback at gigs, like, you know, you know who you were seeing, you paid the ticket, you know what I mean? Like, why go to it if you're going to be offended? But yeah, I, I don't necessarily agree with, with you know, sort of being a, a PC culture. I think it should be a case by case basis. Yeah, I think it's little things as well, isn't it? You know, like, for me personally, like, I, I have a daughter, she's, she's nearly five years old, and I'm going to teach her to be like me, you know, because I think it's such a valuable tool is to sort of have that confidence. She's disabled as well. She has the uh, gen- the same disability as I do, uh, which we was I passed on to her genetically. And fortunately, medicine's come such a long way that she probably won't ever need a wheelchair and she can she can walk and she can run and you would look at her and you wouldn't know different. But she loves to I think she's already cottoned on, you know, that like I can make jokes about daddy. You know what I mean, and it's such it's it's such it's so nice to see. It really is. There was one time I was telling her off, and, and we was in public. We was in a shopping center. And I was telling her off, and uh, I needed we needed to go back to the car. I was running out of money on the car, and so she found the nearest flight of stairs and just went up them and said, "Now what? What are you gonna do?" 
you know. And it's such a ballsy move for a three-year-old kid. And I was so impressed with her in that moment because I was like, you're really getting it. You know, you're, you're really getting it. <laughs> um, and that's the kind of world I live in. You know, I don't live in anybody else's world. You know, if I'm a, if I happen to be around somebody who is offended by certain topics, then I I don't go out my way to make someone upset. I don't know. I mean, anyone ever wants to do that, but if the opportunity arises to crack a joke about something, going to take it. You know, and if you don't like it, you know, tough luck. We're yeah. not going to have a second date. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and look, I I absolutely love love your your thinking process on here. And 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 I know that we came here to talk about pedal mostly because mm. at the end of the day, this is a pedal podcast. Yeah. But, but you know, the last thought which I wanted to say is that my favorite comedian is Anthony Jesselnik because I, I think and 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 he's an absolute badass. Like what he he actually comes about is I think, you know like that's that's not definitely not main mainstream tv and there you go he's on netflix but i think i think the joke is on those who actually don't appreciate any sort of joke and joke jokes shouldn't no boundaries and that's why i love that 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 you you came on the show and we could talk about it openly because look at the end of the day um you grew up to accept everything what's around you and mm. to, to to accept it happily and and to 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 actually see the bright side of everything what you've been through is yeah. is, is really it's, 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 it's a real confidence thing you know the comedy I, i'm applying the same methodology that i've done to acting and to comedy to the world of panel because for me, it's a, it, I, I'm, um, I've always been oozing with confidence. You know, I spent the first 10 years of my life talking to people that three times my age because I was in hospital a lot of the time and they were doctors. So I, I, I'm good at speaking publicly. I'm, I, I, I chat to anybody, you know, there's, there's, nothing, there's no stopping me there. Um, but in the, it's the same way with the world of paddle. You know, I've come into this as not the only um adaptive paddle player in the uk but the only one who's training to compete there's a few people that i know of who have given paddle a go once or twice um and generally speaking they're wheelchair tennis players that are interested in coming over to the world of paddle and you know going forward my approach to this is very much this is an adaptive paddle i'm not advocating for you to try adaptive paddle I'm advocating that you try Jack Binstead paddle because I'm going to cultivate, I am going to harvest this into what I want it to be, how I want it to be and how it's going to be played. And if you choose to partner with me on this or you choose to sponsor me on this, you're, you're coming into this and this is a select package deal. This is, this has been curated by me to suit us as athletes, as players, as, you know, potential sponsors. We, we aren't sitting here being told how to run this because we are the ones running it. There is no world organisation bringing us through uh, a training camp or putting us through some sort of, you know, sending us off to an academy for paddle. There, 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 there is none of that. I am simply a wheelchair user who's athletic enough to play a sport that wasn't designed for us in the first place. And through hard work, through some smart thinking, tactic play, that sort of thing. And also a large amount of help from the pedal community because, you know, there's certain things I can't do on my own. 
we can we can absolutely make adaptive paddle more mainstream than tennis is you know we can have paddle up there with tennis with basketball i can see it being a paralympic sport one day um and we just have to put the work in now yeah uh, that that would be one of my my future questions as well because i'm i I really want to pick your brain on that one because obviously paddle is pushing for 2028 which is not going to happen and now we're pushing for 2032 which might happen and and i don't really know how how that works so if if um on the um abled body i don't really know that the 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 correct term for that uh but if if the uh if the um uh, summer olympics adapts a sport does it have to be on the special olympics as well or or it works a little bit sideways or a little bit differently it's a good question i don't know i mean special olympics and paralympics are two different things so i there's a lot less sports in the special olympics than there are in the paralympics pretty much it's one for one in the olympics and the paralympics what you see in the summer olympics you see in the paralympics but i don't know if there's ever been a period of time where a certain sport has been in the olympics but hasn't been in the paralympics okay but i'm pretty sure it entirely matches if you were to if you were to look at what sports are being hosted i'm pretty sure there isn't one that misses um how different is um is adaptive paddle to to normal paddle it, it, the only rule difference that we have, and it's the exact same for tennis, is that we have the two bounce rule. Okay. Applied. So I have found a loophole recently, which has become a bit of a big discussion within the paddle community. I've had maybe 500 people having a discussion with me in the last few days regarding this. But when I was going through the process of you know, deciding wherever I can be an adaptive paddle athlete and, and how I'm going to do this and who I have bef- behind me and, and so forth. What I knew needed to happen was for there to be a conversation with the LTA because they back and fund tennis, they back and fund wheelchair tennis, and they back and fund paddle. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not stupid. Of course, there's no part of money for adaptive paddle right now because no one's done it until now. Why would there be money waiting around for something that may never happen? But when, at which point is this going to change that we can actually be up there with the likes of wheelchair tennis? And one of the things that I found out on this journey is that the LTA have granted me the ability to play with an able-bodied doubles partner against able-bodied people in tournaments, in socials, in whatever it may be, and only the two bounce rule applies to me. So if you was my doubles partner and you tried to reach for a ball but you couldn't get it, I could get it on the second bounce and you can't moan about it. And I played in a social recently where we we kept switching partners and we were doing 15-minute games. And it was just however many points it came to. And a couple of the guys that I eventually was doubled with were older and slower, and they were kind of hoping for an easier shot every single time. And they did miss, you know, a couple rippers down the middle of the court that I eventually got off the back glass. And people were celebrating, like, yeah, we've got the point, and the ball bounces back over the net, and they're like, shit. You know what I mean? So, like, no one's kicking up a fuss about it. No one's annoyed about it because – it's the same with tennis. It's the same with paddle. So, no, you know, no one's moaning about the two bounce ball in wheelchair tennis. So why would you start moaning about it in, in adaptive paddle? 
the 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 tennis court is so massive compared to to a pedal court um it's, yeah. it's quite interesting to see how they cover it and and i guess in a way you can get most balls with one bounce can you not yeah i can i i i, I can get most balls in one bounce i can volley fairly easily the only time really where the two bounce rule really needs to apply is if I've been lobbed and I'm now going back to the glass because the two bounce rule allows me to either turn my entire chair after the second bounce to go for the forehand, or if I don't have enough time to do that, then I have the second bounce once it's bounced off the glass to hit it back onto the glass and come over. I, I would probably lose out on maybe 50 to 60% more points if there was a one bounce rule. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, it would occur more than you think. Yeah, that yeah. I did a scenario where I need a two bounce rule. I, they're less so, I guess, in match match scenario. Uh, there's going to be more opportunity for me in a match scenario to hit a ball after only one bounce because I have a doubles partner cover in the other side of the court. You know, if it comes into my half, then generally speaking, yeah. Unless you've done a drop shot and I have and I have to race in from the back line to get it, I could probably get most shots in one. And is your chair the same as uh, like a tennis uh, wheelchair, or is it a little bit different, a little bit smaller, or it's exactly a tennis wheelchair? It's, it's the exact same as a tennis chair. Okay. Yeah. Um, and what racket? I mean, I, I know that you use the same racket as as able-bodied mm. peers but uh, what racket do you have just uh it's a nerdy question so i'm sponsored by a racket brand called aeon paddle they're relatively new they launched in june um and mole who is the, the the owner of the company we had a, a discussion a few weeks in he was very impressed with my style and my play um I'm a bit of a powerhouse when it comes to paddle. I'm very strong. I'm very powerful. And my top spin is pretty nasty. Um, I wouldn't say my slice is as good, but my, my, my top spin, my hitting it flat, is pretty, pretty nasty. Um, and this racket that I'm using, it's the A30X um, Aeon Paddle Racket. And um, it, it's it's good. It suits me. It's a carbon racket. Um I, I am toying with moving over to a cork racket because I need to have as much control as possible. And this is the thing, you know, that like, for example, the, the, the brand cork, you know, with adaptive paddle being so new and it, there being so many discussions to be had and it opens the conversation up in so many different ways that you can see it from a marketing point of view and you can see it from a sponsor point of view. If you have a brand that advertises your rackets as having more control out of your game than another brand, then what you should want to do is you should want to advertise and sponsor adaptive paddle athletes because I am having to push a wheelchair, then move the racket into position, then put it back onto the, so I can move again. And therefore I need to have a racket that homes more control. You know, because you're going to run with the racket in your hand, ready to just go. And then you're back, you're already on your feet to move again. So control is quite essential. If you are a brand that advertises rackets having that extra control, it's it's free marketing. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. And I and I know that Cork and Rock Lane Paddle are quite close together. So I know that Max uh, likes uh, Rock Lane and and uh, and everyone around. So so uh, shout out to to Cork Paddle because uh, what what yeah. they are doing is is um, is quite an interesting concept uh, because they so the whole record is the same as 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 any paddle record, but the outer layer is from from actual cork. Yeah. So, uh, so it's it's an interesting concept. It sounds different than any other racket. That's that's why it's quite funny. That's why. Yeah. There's no other racket like it. I mean, I, my my um my coach and my my manager Luke Dolphin. He's now um a Babalat sponsored uh, paddle player, and he uses a Babalat racket, and he swears by it. He's uh, he's dad uh, Luke. Uh, sorry, uh, Chris Dolphin also works at um, Rocks Lane and he is incredible at paddle as well. And he uses the cork one, you know, and I see this man pull off shots that I just, you know, I don't even know where that came from. I don't know. And he's got such great control. Uh, and, you know, I, my first ever two or three training sessions was with a cork racket. I was borrowing his. Um, and then I moved on to the carbon rackets. And I find that, in a scenario where I'm having to sort of in a scenario where I'm having to volley or I'm having to sort of really, really extend and reach because of my wheelchair hasn't got to the position I want to in time, a cork racket may better sit me down the line because there's that there's that extra sponginess which comes with it, which helps that little dip over the net. You know, and I need that in them scenarios where maybe the power isn't gonna fully be there because I'm extended, you know which side do you play on um i've played in tournaments i've played on both at this point in time but i prefer the right hand side um uh, because i'm left-handed which i know has also caused a stare in paddle i don't know what it was i had a i had an lta grade five tournament uh about two or three weeks ago and i played on the left and um, me and Luke were in the greatest shape for this tournament. I'll be honest with you. And we did lose horribly every single game. But it was our first time playing as double partners. And I went on the left. And I gave being my first tournament. I didn't have a lot of confidence in my game. So rather than hitting that you know massive forehand, I was just happy to get it over the net. And it wasn't me who lost the point as such. Um, we could have won more points had I been more confident. But... We just knew it didn't work out, you know. Play being left-handed, playing the left-hand side of the court. I I'm much better on the right-hand side because I can do the lob into the right-hand corner and I can backhand into the left-hand corner. So it, it makes more sense. Yeah, and um, I mean, I'm 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 a, a massive left-hand um, player. To be fair, I mean, I, I'm I'm coming from. Oh, you're left-handed. Room. No, I'm I'm right-handed, so oh, that's right. play on the left because because uh, I just love a big uh, um, topspin smash in the middle and and hopefully uh, praying that it will go out. Um, I've been just playing paddle for for a year, so I started a year ago and uh, and 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 I got absolutely hooked and and it's such a great sport that I I do a hundred percent understand where you're coming from and and what you like in it and you also see the opportunity as everyone. Mm. sort of everyone sees the opportunity if we put the hard work in at the moment and i'm talking yeah. about your being um an adaptive pl uh, paddle player athlete me uh, putting the effort in it with with uh you know the podcast and 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 this and that it it will 
soon boom. So I feel like, uh, you know, I, I live in Bristol. So Bristol is obviously now massive and, and, and we have a lot of courts and we have a lot of players trying it out and, and I'm in the top, I don't know, 2% of players. So it's, it's quite a nice, um, nice feel that, you know, everyone is evolving by ourselves and, and, and yada, yada, yada. Have you seen Patium yet? Have you had the chance to check out Patium? I haven't been, um, but I, I, I got invited uh, and I, I couldn't make it, but I've seen them. Um, I've spoken to uh, some of the paddle athletes that are down there on Instagram, um, like Ethan Bardo, um, spoken to him, you know. So, yeah, I'm aware of it and I probably will go down at some point. The issue that I have this moment in time is that the, the tennis wheelchair that I'm using was um, – gifted by the dan maskell trust to rocks lane so it stays at rocks lane i don't own my own one so i need to we're, we're in the process of getting three more wheelchairs hopefully to rocks lane because we need them for other athletes that are coming down to try adaptive paddle um but I, what i would ultimately need in order to fulfill my goal of becoming the world number one wheelchair paddle athlete is my own chair which costs you know a good four to five thousand at least uh, I don't have that kind of money lying around for a new chair. Not yet. So, not yet. Not yet. No, not yet. So uh, one day. What, what sort of money is is there in adaptive adaptive paddles? Sorry, it's just a bit of a, a tongue twister. Yeah, no, um, do you know what? I, 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 I've said wheelchair paddle a few times on this podcast already, and I've called it adaptive paddle. And I, I think I change every single sentence what it is. And the I'm reason trying behind to stick it, to it, Jack, I'm, I'm trying to stick to, to no, what I you know, read I on know. that. If, if I'm messing up, then it's fine. But, you know, it's, it's the reason I... The reason I believe it's being called adaptive paddle over wheelchair paddle is so that if you are physically disabled but not a wheelchair user, you can still play this sport. When I was a wheelchair racer, there was countless Paralympians and, and you know, top 1% wheelchair racers who weren't in wheelchairs. They were on crutches or something, but they were still graded. They were still classified as disabled and they, you know, still have their own physical disabilities that they deal with and it wasn't called adaptive racing it was called wheelchair racing because we were in wheelchairs so the fact that it isn't called wheelchair paddle i don't know if i agree with it i'm going with it um it makes sense look i i think it sounds um different uh but not in a definitely not in a bad way i i i i don't find it personally again I, I don't think wheelchair paddle is bad but i think adaptive paddle actually sounds really good well, it, it, if what's i can weird, say though, it. <laughs> what's weird though is that over in dubai you have the wpa in dubai which is the wheelchair paddle association so the okay. association isn't even called adaptive paddle so i mean what the fuck are we doing do you know what i mean no one everyone's <laughs> drunk hey, come on make everyone's your mind up drunk. right everyone's drunk i don't know what's going on <laughs> so so how much money is in there at the moment obviously not a lot but i guess in in south america there has to be or in spain there has to be because obviously there are disabled people uh it, it's it's the second biggest sport in spain uh, behind football uh it's bigger than than tennis so it has there has to be a proper league, a proper tournament uh, structure, at least in Spain or in South America. How can you live from it? So if if you decide that you wanna you wanna be world number one, and mm. look, I wish you 
the best of luck to do that. I, I think we we have our work cut out with with the uh, you know with the Spanish with the with the Spanish speaking people because like we are still a good de- decade um, away from actually challenging these guys who are like the pro tour. And I want to ask you about the pro tour as well, the yeah. buddy pro tour. But is there is there like apart from a dream and and apart from reaching something which never been reached by a British person before? Yeah. Is there a way of living from it? I, I'll be honest with you. I don't think there's a wheelchair sport on the planet which pays enough to live. Not even tennis, you reckon? Tennis. Oh, well, I mean, I, you know, I don't know if Alfie Hewitt or Gordon Reed have day jobs. I read Gordon Reed's Instagram caption earlier celebrating his finalist um positioning for the US Open and what he said was time to go back to work to make this dream a reality again and I don't know whether he means back to training to do it again or if he means I need to go to work so I can save up to be an athlete you know what I mean (laughs) I know what you mean no 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 I think the LTA pays enough for them to be professional athletes um I I cannot say a hundred percent but I would say uh, I checked it out and it's it's quite good money like um Alfie Hewitt I would say 99 percent uh that he doesn't have a day job he's he's doing tennis yeah. he's absolutely brilliant the same for gordon reed really i mean they're and and the same about um the the, the japanese players um who who are amazing i i think there was a, a few from other nations as well so so i think there is enough and and we actually had the discussion with my wife about um uh, wheelchair because wheelchair tennis because she was asking like a, she said that it's absolutely pathetic that there's no one watching at the stadium. Like literally there's a hundred people who are watching the final of, of a wheelchair event. Yeah. I think it's so much fun. I mean, I, I'm a tennis maniac. So for me, it, it would be absolutely great to even watch the the final of, of a Grand Slam in, in wheelchair tennis. Because I think it's so high quality. It's, it's unreal. B that how come that Djokovic earned three and a half million and the same for Coco Goff, who who won the the US, uh, both men's and women's respectively in singles. Um, and how come that the, 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 the winner of wheelchair tennis earned like 15 grand? And I'm like, unfortunately, sports is mainly driven because my second degree is, is sports management and, and business actually. So, uh, so that's my master's. Um, sports is a business. And the issue is that, yeah, I feel like that, but I think I'm I'm literally what two thousand people worldwide yeah. who would tune on and and check out a, a, a final of a wheelchair tennis uh, Grand yeah. Slam, and it's not easy to sell. There's well, not a lot of people. I I, th- I think you know, having been somebody who was in sports at a high level and and competed. You know, the top wheelchair racers in the world aren't making a living from being wheelchair racers. Um, I know people that are, I, I also play pool, as in pool as in snooker, and I'm on the England team for pool in the wheelchair leagues. And I think maybe in, in, in two or three years, I've made maybe 400 quid in two or three years because there is no money. But there's like, you know, there's people playing pool you know at a pro level in the same tournament as i am making you know twenty thousand twenty five thousand and we're making a hundred quid 
And it's, it's, it's one of those things, you know, I don't know at what point wheelchair tennis first happened. But what I can tell you is that it did not start at the same time as tennis started. So you've already got a decade or 50 years or 100 years of a sport already existing, building up a fan base, building up sponsors um, before wheelchairs were even introduced, right? And we're, you know, we're asking for us to be paid the same kind of money because we put in the same hours and we competed on the same court or the same track, whatever sport it is you're doing. I think we'll get there. You know, I think over time it will, it will happen. You know, for example, we're, we're moving in the right direction, aren't we? Because Coco just got paid equal pay to Djokovic in this US Open, which Billie Jean started, you know, sorted. And that's a positive move in the right direction, you know. There's, there needs to be a conversation for wheelchairs at some point. I just checked it out uh, because I was I was quite intrigued to know. So uh, the winner got $68,250. So that's a pretty half In wheelchair. Job. In wheelchair, yeah, yeah. yeah um, right. And if and if you qualify for, for the US uh, in singles, you get $14,700. Uh, so that's... That's you okay. can make a living from this. Yeah. I think you can make a living, and and that's the right direction. And what you say is absolutely right. And and look, I I am all for equal pay, but we have to be fairly realistic. It's mm -hmm. a lot easier to sell, yeah, able-bodied um, men's singles tickets than yeah. literally anything else, even the women's game. So we yeah. can kid ourselves to say that, yeah, okay. Um, now we're really political, so I, <laughs> I'm sorry about that. No, it's fine. But it is actually like if you look at it, a lot more people will buy uh, a Lacoste shirt from because Novak Djokovic plays in them yeah. than let's say Arena Sabalenka, who's now the world number one in women's, yeah. wears the Nike dress. So yeah. it's the numbers game, and and how sad it is to say, but at the end of the day, this is all a massive business. Which yeah. is sad or not sad, that's the that's the, the harsh reality. Yeah. And I think, you know, being in the position that I'm in and having that understanding that what you know what we are in is a business, I need to play this correctly. I need to play this as if I'm going to do business because otherwise I'm gonna fall at the first hurdle. Um, or at least push into it because I can't do hurdles, I'm disabled. There you go, I have that one for free. But, you know, I have to be ruthless with this. You know, I have to, you know, command how I want it to be and how I think it should be. Obviously, I'm not doing this with no knowledge. I have people behind me. I have contacts at the LTA who I have their full backing to go and do this. I have a couple of, of brands that I've spoken to. Many, many an athlete, many, many a player and coach who are just obsessed with seeing me play because you know there there are there are unwritten rules that you follow in able-bodied paddle that i am absolutely going to shit on in adaptive paddle right i am i literally a, a smart tactic in adaptive paddle right is the one thing you do not do in your game okay i am purposely sitting myself in no man's land 
I'm sitting in no man's land and I'm not bloody moving, okay? And I'll tell you why, right? Because if I serve and then race forward parallel to my partner and you lob me, I have to put the wheelchair in free, in 180, go all the way back to the line that I was just bloody on, right, to send it back over to you. I would much rather serve, move forward two or three pushes into no man's land. If you want to drop shot me, I'm halfway there. You want to lob me, I'm halfway back. Yeah. Right? Which is something that you wouldn't do, right? And I had to play and lose X amount of times, right, to realize this won't work. And when I go, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on at some point to take my adaptive well, not even my adaptive to take my paddle coaching and i'm going to coach able-bodied people as well as disabled people but there are little things that will pop pop up every single day that we are on the courts and we sort of go right that's different you know if you aimed for the corner glass i'm not going to follow the ball that's stupid why would I follow the ball? I've got to turn a wheelchair at the same time. I'm going to see how fast you've just hit that ball, and I'm automatically going to come about three feet away from the net. Yeah, no, just, no that's, that, that makes so much sense. I mean, uh, that's that's what I'm struggling the most with, to be fair. I mean, I, I, the back wall is is something which, for tennis players, that's like the hardest thing to do. When when yeah. someone hits a, hits a bandeja or a bajada or something like that in the corner, you're just like uh okay which way am i turning and you yeah. know exactly which way to turn because that's that's what you're just covering the ball rather than than you know for like for us again tennis players in general these things that we move away from the ball is absolutely unnatural i've been doing it for 35 years i've been moving towards the ball all the time yeah. and now i have to move away from the ball it's it's just absolutely unnatural but i do get it what you mean yeah, it's just little things that need to be changed in the world. And whether this is, you know, I, I know that there are countless adaptive paddle athletes in Spain, France, Germany, Portugal, Netherlands, Chile, Brazil, Argentina. I know there are. We I follow them all on Instagram. I've spoken to a few of them. They're really excited to see me on the circuit. They've invited me out to tournaments. Um I do know that as part of the adaptive paddle, you know, tournaments that occur, if it's not like a world championships or a European championship or something, the format of the tournaments is that a Spanish athlete teams up with a foreigner. And so I don't need to have an English doubles partner to come with me. You know, at this moment in time, very moment in time, I, I don't have one. There is no other athlete in a wheelchair doing paddle. I have a training session tomorrow with a wheelchair tennis player who is coming down to the courts at Rocks Lane and he is playing paddle for the second time in his life. And I'm going to coach him for an hour and then my coach is going to coach us for an hour. And he had, he very much wants to come on board. And, and what we're looking for here is somebody that he can play at my level and is as fast as I am. And I'm assuming that he will be because he's a tennis player. Um, but he will be hopefully become my doubles partner, you know, and, and this is the, very much the start of our journey here. But, you know, I want to find at the very least four and train at the same place and compete in the same tournaments and, and have that Team GB sort of representation when we go out to these tournaments. But, you know, I had a, I had a, I won't say names, but I, I had a coaching session very recently with somebody who is 
insanely high up in the world rankings for paddle and not not wheelchair paddle i mean able body paddle and uh we were we were discussing the slice right which for you is an attacking move i can't slice can't slice for shit mate right and it's not because i i, I refuse to learn it's because i am the same height as the net what good is it slicing? Because when the ball has had a first bounce and it's at its highest trajectory, I could whack it to France if I wanted to, right? So that's not good for me, right? If I'm on the second bounce and I hit it, then chances are I'm hitting the net, right? Unless I'm going for the log. So in an attacking scenario, I really need to time it right. <clears throat> And then, generally speaking, a lot of the time, play it flat. And uh, but there's nothing. I think there's a stigma that I've I've noticed that playing a shot flat is wrong. Just in that every scenario, playing flat is wrong. And I'll be honest with you, ninety nine percent of my shots are going to be flat. And I I don't I don't know if you agree with this or not. But a flat shot is not a bad shot if you put that ball into the best place it can be on the court. Yeah, well, I I agree, and and also the other thing is is uh, that there's a lot of so the pros as well are are hitting flat shots. It's a continental grip, and it's hitting through the ball, so it's it is a great shot. I use it a lot now. Now what I'm working on is what my my backhand because I'm on the on the left hand side, so I, I need I need that uh, as well. So so I I need to to hit the shot well. Um, not just slice it, not just put it up high and that sort of thing, but you 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 want to go through it and and it's not really a top spin because the top spin is is a bit different. So I a hundred percent agree on what you say. You need the flat shot because the flat shot is if you put it in the right place, it's 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 a perfect shot. And then you can actually stay in no man's land, as you say. Yeah. Or come in and finish it at the net. And I think yeah. the only scenario which which might occur for you uh, is like the bandeja, where where you obviously go sort of backwards, and then you just put a bit more slice on it when yeah. you actually just sort of execute the smash itself. That's yeah. the only time when I can actually think about yeah, yeah, that's it. Like that's that's what you need to do. Yeah, I think the, uh, what we've what we've noticed myself and and my team at Rock's Lane, what we've noticed so far is that. Is definitely going to become. I mean, it's not a game of power or speed at this moment. It's a game of tactic and and playing the ball in the right place and playing it smart. But even more so in the world of adaptive paddle, because if if I smash the ball right at your wheelchair, you ain't hitting it unless you volley it, right? But the t the timing of that pretty incredible. But I mean, I guess it's the same. I don't know. Uh, you go to socials and whatnot and you might find yourself playing, you know, being playing with someone who's 70 years old, you know, and they're a little bit slower and the reaction time is not great. And so in that scenario, you're going to use, you know, you're going to play the drop shot nine times out of 10, aren't you? Because they're not really going to get to the net in time unless they've already moved forward, in which case you play the lob because they're not going to get back in time. But like in wheelchair paddle, adaptive paddle, whatever you want to bloody call it, I'm going to use your disability against you. You know, if you are a double leg amputee, I already know you're quick because you're six stone lighter than the average geezer, right? So you're going to be quick, right? 
So there's absolutely no point in me just trying to do a drop shot on you if you're sat in no man's land because you're going to reach it and then you're going to love me, right? I might as well. I, what I do know is that you're light, right? So I'm absolutely going to play that band at her, but I'm aiming for your chest, right? Because you've now got to manoeuvre that wheelchair into a position where you can get either the forehand or the backhand as a volley. Yeah. If you're, if you're paralysed and you don't necessarily have too much of control of your abs, you know, and, and there's more of a slant to sort of the way, the way you sit, you know, you're not up straight, you don't have the abdominal muscles to use. Then I know that your acceleration from a, from, you know, a non-moving position is going to be slower. So I'm going to drop shot you because chances are you ain't making it to that net in, in two seconds, you yeah. know, yeah. even with two bounces, I don't think you're going to make it. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a lot more of that. You know, you can't go and play a doubles match or you go and watch the pro tour or whatever. They can't use someone's disability. There is no disability, you know what I mean? What are you going to do? You're going to play to their height? You're going to play to their what? You know, you just have to play smart. Whereas I can play smart, but I can also play slightly ruthless, I guess. Yeah. Why would yeah. I Why would I not, you know? Yeah. Um, are you planning on going abroad and and like what 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 we spoke about and and um and that you've been invited and and that's so are you planning on on actually doing that and and pairing up with a spanish player and 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 trying to i guess you do need to raise money to do that you do need your own chair you do need a yeah. lot of support to actually to to start this journey yeah I I have had permission on more than one occasion so far to take the tennis wheelchair that I'm using away from the club on the basis that they're okay with that and obviously it gets returned. So I think, should I not have my own wheelchair by the point that I do go abroad and compete, I'm pretty sure they'd be happy to me let me have it because my my manager and my coach is also the coach at the club. So, you know, he he's with me here. From discussions I've had recently with somebody who works for the adaptive paddle association i only have to cover my flights hotel and you know per dms and that sort of stuff is covered um so if i had some brands on board that were sponsors then you know that would potentially cover that side of things as well i i'm looking i'm at the moment this moment in time i'm looking for sponsors because there are other costs that are occurring uh training wheelchairs clothing because we go through it rackets gem, general sponsors for the sport not necessarily just me but having you know people like the lta behind us to sort of go yes this is this is going to be huge this is going to be great you know you've got vodafone uk for example who loyally you know sponsor alfie hewitt and i think also gordon reed um they just signed up a new sponsor recently a a, a, a bed a bed company like something the mattress company or something but that they, they, they've just come on board alessi they sponsor the, the wheelchair tennis players um so what we need is a brand like that we need a big brand like that who who are paddle obsessed uh to come on board and look at this as an investment Don't look at it as a sponsor. If I turn around to you tomorrow with an ingenious idea in a relating field to what you're in, and I said, look at this, have a read of this, look at what I've made, and you're going to go, that's not been done before, I love that. 
that's incredible, right? I now have an idea for a startup business, and you as an investor go, that's not been done before. I'm putting my money into that. Now, I'm not saying that I'm creating my own sport here because I'm absolutely not, but I am in this country, right? And I'm the face of it. I'm the leader of it. I'm the coach. I'm going to be the world number one. It's that simple. It's no ifs and I don't do ifs and buts or maybes. It's that simple, mate. I'm going to be number one. And uh, it's that simple. So what we need is these brands to come on board and to, to go, oh, this is amazing, love this. And they do put some money into the sport. You know, give us half a chance to be able to go out there and actually put, so I can put my my money where my mouth is. You know what I mean? I, I need to go out there and, and, uh, and prove that this isn't just words, you know? Okay. I, I have so many questions, but I'm, <laughs> I'm aware of my time, but it has been one of one of definitely my best, if not the best chat I had. And and, and I definitely <laughs> have to have you back on the show soon. The thing is that we we uh, agreed on an hour. So let's let's call it at an hour. Um, okay. No, no further questions. But uh, look, what I can say is that I, I really want to meet you. So let's let's try to organize something in Bristol, if not else. And yeah, let's, rocket, let's, uh, rocket, rocket, yeah, rocket, rocket pedal is here. Uh, we are pedal surge and um, Lockley uh, yeah. pedal for all. These are the four courts, what we have, and also we have uh, two outdoor courts in my club, Redland Green. Um, we would love to have you, but let's let's try to arrange something. If nothing yeah. else, I'm more than happy to uh, to have a match with you in Rocks Lane, and mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, look, unbelievable. All the best, and and I have to have you back in in a few months on on how you how you're getting on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I didn't really even answer your last question. My 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 uh, my intention is to start competing from 2024. So I'm going to give myself a few months, and then I'm going to uh, find. I think there's a tournament, a, a big international tournament in May. So I'm going to be aiming for May, if not before, before that. But yeah, absolutely. Let's meet up. Let's let's have a have a knockabout and. Um, yeah, I'll bring the tissues for when you cry because you've been done over by a guy in a wheelchair. You know, it's fine. Don't Sounds good. You haven't seen me play. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm just overly competitive, so don't get your hopes up. Jack, it has been a pleasure. I absolutely loved it. Thank you very much. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it.